Can you heal from abuse? What do I do after leaving my narcissist? What does a healthy relationship look like? These concerns cross the minds of over 20 people every minute, over 28,800 people every day. And the sad fact is, we still don't talk about it enough. Healing from emotional abuse isn't a band-aid situation, but it doesn't have to take years either. The lives of millions of other survivors around the world have been impacted by their narcissist. Yours doesn't have to. To show you how to live a free, confident, and peaceful life, your host and founder of the Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy, Marissa F. Cohen. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us this week on Breaking Through Our Silence, the podcast. Today I am so grateful and excited to welcome my friend Mike Solari to join us to talk about sexual assault and domestic violence and how it's portrayed in movies and TV. Mike has an amazing background with film. Right now he lives in LA as a talent agent, but I do have to say that back in 2006, I believe, I starred in his first student film that he wrote and produced and directed uh, called Men Seeking Woman. And so we go back a long time. He's an awesome person with a great personality and I'm so, so excited to have him here. So let's get started. All right, cool. So let's talk about some movies. You're a huge movie buff. You love watching movies. I love looking at your posts on Facebook every single time you um, watch a movie, you kind of critique it. And then every season, I love looking at your lists at the best movies of the year and stuff. So I'd love your perspective on movies with domestic violence, sexual assault themes, and what you think about them. Well, okay. Uh, I mean, right, right at the top, I'm, I feel like I'm already in, going to be treading into dangerous waters with whatever I talk about, uh, mainly because it's a complicated thing it's a complicated issue it's uh uh i mean there's a lot of different ways we can discuss this there's a lot of different points of view and i think every movie is also different okay so i guess it's hard to talk about because you're saying domestic violence and abuse and stuff like that and a lot of that also goes back into misogyny and a lot of that also goes back into the distribution of power between men and women uh, especially from, I don't know, pre-60s, I don't know. Because, like, there was that whole, like, housewife kind of ideal of the 50s and stuff like that. And you can even see that in older movies with just, like, women be in their place and uh, uh, the aggressor. I mean, even in the 30s, there were still powerful women. You look at stuff like the Philadelphia Story or His Girl Friday or Lady Eve. You see these strong women characters. Um besting the man but you also see people i don't know looking at women in a different in a way that was more of the time and i guess something that I right at the top to really just say about everything is that we can't it's hard to look at things from the past with 2019 eyes or 2020 now it's 2020 eyes we're gonna look back at a lot of stuff because probably every single one of these movies has happened in the past and some just come from different generations. And I'm going to talk about movies that I also love and I will rewatch still. And it's kind of like you have to just be able to say, look, that was a different time. 50 years down the road, we're going to like look back at like stuff we're doing on a normal basis. And we're going to, and our kids are going to be like, 
what, what, what are you doing? Like, wh- how could you just let that happen? And you're going to say it was a different time. And they're going to say, that's a bullshit answer. And we're going to say, look, I know it's just, we didn't realize it. And even like we're, there's stuff five years ago that we were laughing at in comedies and stuff like that, that are now we look at them and we're just like pulling on our collars and going, Oh, like it's hard to watch. Super bad. Some of that great example of that, actually. And honestly, like a fantastic movie. And it's something also this is what we're going to get into is the idea of like, what is art and how far can we push our art and what makes things subversive and versus exploitive versus, I don't know, just gratuitous. Um, And then also just, okay, if we're going to show reality, like, shouldn't that mean we have to show the dark sides of reality? Because if we hide it, then what are we saying about our history and stuff like that? For instance, the idea of, and I mean, this is going into other complicated areas, but like, it's like talking about the Civil War and stuff that didn't happen or did happen. We have to remember our history or why do we still make movies about slavery and stuff like that? Like, haven't we said all we need to say? And it's kind of like, we or like, hiding st- like stuff from our past we don't want to, to like talk about certain things but we got to keep it and I, I guess something let's just start off the top uh and this I, this is definitely an abusive thing let's talk about michael jackson for a second because obviously we've known about his quirks and weird things and i truly believe he's a, had a mental illness and i believe a lot of this does come down from mental illness and he also had te- like uh, there's a whole thing we could talk about with michael jackson and his family and also just what were people doing and letting their kids just be around him and also just stuff we decided to turn a blind eye to because of certain things and keep on going and then leaving neverland comes out and that was an intense documentary and After that came out, James L. Brooks had announced that they were pulling an episode from The Simpsons from all internet uh, reruns, syndication. Now it's on Disney Plus. It's not on Disney. That episode is not on Disney Plus. And it's not even Michael Jackson's in it. You're not even seeing his imagery. You're not seeing uh, it has nothing to do with some off-color thing. The premise of the episode is Michael Jackson... There's Homer goes to a mental institution and meets a a mental patient who calls himself Michael Jackson. He's clearly not Michael Jackson, but he's voiced by Michael Jackson. It's weird that we pull that from our history uh, because we know we have to look back and see that we see that. However, James L. Brooks says, like, I this is my stuff. I get to make the decision over what I want out there, and I don't want it to seem like Michael Jackson's getting more his estates getting residuals or receiving money from this. So uh, when we start just taking things out of our history and out of our films and stuff like that, I worry that we're, we have the, the ability to repeat ourselves in dangerous ways. It's important to see that stuff. We need to acknowledge that we were off base and learn from it. And we can watch those movies in a different way we can see them that they were made at those times for instance let's go into now talking about this so there was a time when rape was a joke it was kind of funny it was played off as not a big deal it was played off in comedies in particular as something that uh 
could just happen. And I, let's talk about specifics here. There's a movie, like you think back into the two, early 2000s, there's a movie I actually really like. A lot of people don't. It's called 40 Days and 40 Nights. It stars Josh Hartnett and uh, Sharon, Sharon Sassman, who I just love. And the premise of the movie is this guy is experiencing uh, a breakup. He's experiencing this like obsession with sex and stuff like that. So he decides to not masturbate or have sex or any deal with anything in sexual capacity for, for Lent for 40 days and 40 nights. And everyone's like, can't do it. It's impossible. And he starts losing his mind, but it's a comedy. Meanwhile, his friends are all betting on the day that he's going to like uh, quote unquote bust. And people try to take advantage of that. At the end of the uh, 40 days and 40 nights, his ex-girlfriend bets a lot of money on the final day and then rapes him while he's asleep. And like, it's seen as just a plot point. It's seen. And then the other girl, the girl who likes him, Sharon Sassaman's character is like, I can't believe you had sex with her. It's not, no, she did it against my will. She, I was pinned down. I was, I did, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter uh, in the sense of that story. But then we look at it there. It's like, Oh, that's really weird. She just rapes him. And we're not just going to talk about that. And uh, the same thing happens in Get Him to the Greek. It's played for comedy. Jonah Hill's raped by Carla Gallo. Um, you mentioned Superbad a second ago. That's the period blood girl. It's like a reversal of that scene in a way. And yeah, so there's this playfulness. There's that weird moment in Revenge of the Nerds where uh, Lewis puts on like this like Darth Vader costume it's, he, and that the jock was wearing. And then the hot girl thinks he's the jock. They have sex. He pulls off the mask and she's like, you're that nerd. And, uh, but she's like, that was wonderful. And then she forgets it. It's like, he's sexed her into it's, it's okay. We look at that and we look at our back at our, especially in the eighties, the seventies moments in the sixties and even the nineties and the two thousands and late 2010s. And we see these moments. It was before really being aware of what we were doing. Um, there's a philosophy I have and that's what we put on TV really feeds into society and then society feeds it back. It's a cycle. You see movies, and I can't think of many specifics, where you see where like, the guy pursues the girl. She says no. And the idea is it's romantic to keep going and push, 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 and keep doing that. You see it in tons of high school movies. You see it in movies like, let's say, American Pie. Um, you see it in, to an extent, when Harry Met Sally. That teaches us at a young age to say, okay, a no it just means you have to keep going and push past the no. And one day she'll give you a shot. And, and so that feeds back into it. And that becomes problematic. However, we've also romanticized a certain thing. There's a term that comes from How I Met Your Mother, which I love and I use in my own daily life. It's called Dobler-Dahmer effect, which is an act could be construed as romantic or psychotic based on how the person feels about the other person. It's not an easy explainable situation what we're talking about here. Because of that, we then get these movies that show us gray areas. I mean, 16 Candles, there's definitely that weird moment where the guy's like, here, just have my girlfriend. And that's another thing of older movies is women being treated as objects and stuff like that. Um, obviously, it, throughout all of the history of cinema and television, we've seen people who come combat that. We see 
Lucille Ball fight back and, and Mary Tyler Moore be these stronger women's on t- TV. You see uh, and take away, take over what we had. Although you also see the honeymooners where Ralph's always threatening to beat his wife. Uh, one of these days, Alice, one of these days. And even though she's the power play in that relationship, there's that. I mean, people grew up with that. At the same time, comedy is what is we are doing to comment on society in a way. Um, and like it or not, the bad parts are in society. Even like, let's talk about like stuff like you say your kids watch certain things, right? Okay, so Animal House, a movie that I love. My dad showed that to me. I love Animal House. And there's that scene where John Belushi is on the ladder looking at the sorority girls and they're all just taking off their tops and they're having like a pillow fight. And everyone remembers that scene. And there's the moment where the girl walks into a different room and he's on the ladder and he hops with the ladder. Okay. It's hysterical because it's Belushi hopping on a ladder to get to see what this girl's doing, let alone that he's peeping on her. Even the idea of a peeping Tom was charming in a way in like these older days in back to the future. Uh, I mean, they call him a perv, but George McFly is spying on his soon to be future wife, getting changed with binoculars from a tree and he falls from the tree. And that's how he supposedly meets his wife. Um, we see certain things as like, Oh, that rascal kind of thing. And Belushi is the most rascally of rascals. We see him do the eyebrow. We see his face. It's got like this baby face. We're inclined to laugh. The end of the movie of animal house. There's that moment where the girl's clothes get ripped off by happenstance and the chaos of the whole thing. Uh, and John Belushi dresses a pirate swings down and picks her up and puts her in a car and she's screaming and her legs are kicking. And then the last thing, last moment we see, he drives off with her. Then later it cuts and he has her arm around her. She's sitting in the car. She's happy. And then later you realize they become Senator and Mrs. Uh, Ludo Batowski. Like she, be, it's like he, be, she, he stole her and she became his wife and everything worked out. And we know that that's not how real life works. And to an extent, we know that Animal House isn't real life. We know that Revenge of the Nerds isn't real, really how college goes. We look at Porky's and we say that's not how real life is. I mean, Porky's is a really great example. I mean, that's a movie that's played for laughs all the way through. Weird. And also, I want to go back to a different time, talking about a different time. Like, here's the Rotten Tomatoes critics consensus for Porky's. And I quote, Gleefully, in its misogyny and celebratory of bad behavior, Porky's is an intermittently funny farce that will leave audiences feeling in need of a shower. And that's weird. Like, that's just weird. And, I mean, the most famous scene of Porky's is the shower scene where it's a group of girls completely naked. And to that extent, like, we look back in the past and it seems very gratuitous and to a point like those TNA movies were just meant as like softcore porn to show to kids and stuff like that. That's why Porky's isn't meant to be taken seriously. Although it's problematic. There are these guys and they're heaping on the girls. And what does that teach other guys? Like there's a hole in the shower and they're looking and the girl gets in the way. And so they yell to move and the girls laugh. They're like, it's charming that these guys are spying on us. We laugh at that. There's also even in the scary movie one, like people are just beating up women and it's played for laughs. It's like, Kind of like when, like when you see like naked a Naked Gun movie or something and Leslie Nielsen punches an old woman or something. Or even in like an Austin Powers movie, these like very like hyper worlds. Uh, we laugh. And you'd say like, is it funny to punch an old woman? And you like, 
you think about like, and, and it's weird, but the correct answer is in the right context. This is like he knocks the girl to the ground and then jumps like a wrestler and l- l- lands on his elbow off screen, and you hear like a noise. Like it's these things that are played for funny, and it's that actually wouldn't be funny if it was a guy. The reason it's funny is because it's taken to such an extreme. It's not even that that's even a plot point of the movie. It's meant as like almost slapstick comedy. It's meant as like a hyper-realized version of Marx Brothers or Stooges or something like that. You could analyze it in a way. And if I'm being too analytical or something, stop me. I feel like I could go on. No, but, I'm really, no, all right, if, if, yeah. if you want to move away from the playfulness and talk about it as a serious subject, I mean, we can do that. I mean, rape and abuse is used as like a weapon. I mean, let's talk about the ones that use it better and talk about it like thematically. So there's things that are also books that have become movies. So let's talk about something like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. The whole premise of the girl and the dragon tattoo, or I guess I shouldn't say premise, I should say themes, is about the violation of women and the violence against women. Um, you have this guy investigating this family and this death of this woman, of this girl, and who killed this person. At the same time, he's teamed up with this woman whose life has been shaped by abuse. She's a lesbian. She's being... Uh, raped by her parole officer who is forced she's forced to like give blowjobs to in order to not land in prison because he controls her and it's this power dynamic and you watch these scenes and they're visceral there's that scene in his office where and you see his hand just around her head like you're not seeing anything really it's very close up but it's it's hard to watch and you say to yourself what well okay do we need to see that can it be implied and the problem with implying it is this is what happened in the older movies. You would see stuff happen off screen. You would hear people just say things. And you, it becomes not that bad if we're just saying words. When we start seeing stuff, it then becomes more visceral. And something about a movie, there's something about art even. It's supposed to invoke a feeling. And there's a reason why we still talk about these movies today. It's not because it's like, oh, can you believe they did that? It's like, no, there's something artistic here. There's something that's trying to be said. Also, Rape is used to show savagery. There's that mentality that we put that on the savagery. One of the, I think, most universal movies that I think people had seen that showcased rape in a savage way was Deliverance, which I don't, do you know Deliverance? Again, I know of it, but I haven't watched it. I'm not as cultured as you are. (laughs) I wouldn't call myself cultured. I just call myself someone who watched a lot of movies. Uh, Deliverance is a John Borman movie that is honestly it's good. I mean, this is like an Oscar caliber movie. I mean, the movie has, I want to say it's Ned Beatty of the Beatties, uh, Sean Connery, John Voight. It's basically these four friends decide they're going to go, uh, like down a river canoeing. They're going to live in the wilderness. And, uh, Sean Connery is this really man's man who knows the wilderness. One of the guys is more of like a white collar kind of guy. And there's these locals that like, I guess are just, they're played up as these like rednecks and like, like they are of their own area. It's almost like their own law and stuff like that. And they're in two different canoes and one of them, they get separated and one of the canoes crashes and they, two guys happen upon these two rednecks who basically beat them, tie them to a tree, forces one of the guys to strip naked, squeal like a pig, and then rapes him. 
they kill these locals and now all the other locals are after them and it becomes this fight for survival. And you say like, by the end of the movie, you see what happens and you're like, this is this ordeal these people have gone through. Like, and it is an ordeal. It's crazy. Like how almost like primal it becomes. And I think that's part of what deliverance is. It's showing that primalness. Some people would say, do you need to have that rape scene there? Couldn't it just be violent or something like that? And I don't know the answer to that, honestly. If you enjoyed this podcast, you have to check out www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. That's www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. Marissa would love to develop a made for you healing plan to heal from emotional abuse. She does all the work and you just show up. Stop feeling stuck, alone and hurt and live a free, confident and peaceful life. Don't forget to subscribe to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Marissa F. Cohen and Instagram at Marissa.Fay.Cohen. We'd love to see you there.